Welcome to the C3 Church Watson podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Paul, and uh, I'm hoping that you're like me and you want to hear from God today and you are open to hearing what He has to say. So imagine in your mind a vast, a vast plain, a vast open plain, and in the center of it is the throne of God. And filling the plain as far as you can see is millions and millions and millions of people, billions of people. Every human who ever lived is on the plain, that vast plain. Who knows how many, 20 billion, I don't know. People all there, all standing before the throne of God, dressed in white, awaiting the judgment. And then suddenly there's a voice from the plain, from somewhere, and, in, and somehow the acoustics... Am I a bit loud, a bit boomy? Sorry? When I do that, use it out here. Um, suddenly there's a voice cries out, and the acoustics and the physics of the plane and just the, the space-time reality is that every person can hear that voice. And the voice cries out, How can God judge me? How could I believe in a loving God when I was born into poverty? My family was poor. My village was poor. My country was poor. I had to struggle even as a child to go out from my childhood and try and scrape enough money together every day to buy food to survive. How can a just God allow that to happen? Another voice calls out from another side. And says, well, what about me? I was born into an occupied land with a a brutal enemy force, suppressed us. We're unable to do anything. God did nothing about it. How can he judge me for not putting my faith in him? Another voice calls out, well, we had to leave everything behind to escape from a brutal enemy like that as refugees and go. Leave Vietnam, leave Afghanistan, wherever it was. Another voice calls out, well, I I was accused by religious leaders of being, of blasphemy, and I had done nothing, and they just wanted to show everybody else, make an example of me, and I was killed for no reason. How could I trust a God who let that happen? How can he judge me? Another voice says, "I, I was in a city ruled by corrupt leaders and someone I thought I could trust dobbed me in for something I didn't do, but I was also falsely accused and punished and killed. How could I trust God? How could I believe in a God of love? And someone else says, well, when I was put into court, the judge had already been paid off and I was, the whole thing was prejudiced against me. I had no chance in a court of law. How can I believe in righteousness and justice? 
Someone else yells out, yeah, I was brutally beaten for no reason. Someone else says, I was tortured. And I had to confess for so- to something I did not do. I was tortured until they got it out of me. How can I put my faith in God like that, of a God who allows that to happen? God's in no position to judge me. And then it, suddenly there are voices coming from all over the vast plain. Oh, me. Oh, me. Yeah. How does God dare to do that? And there's a huge commotion for hours of voices yelling, yelling out, and then eventually it settles down and there's silence. And there's silence for a long time. And then a voice comes from the the throne and it says this, it says, I was born into poverty. I was born in a poor time of human history. There was no electricity, there was no plumbing, there was no machinery. I was born into a stable. I was born into an occupied country with a brutal enemy that suppressed us. When I, before I was two years old, I was hunted by people who wanted to kill me. My parents had to take me as a refugee into another country to protect me and leave everything else behind. There was a question mark throughout my whole childhood and I was mocked because there was a question mark about my legitimacy of my birth, about who my father really was. I was falsely accused of heresy. I was falsely accused of leading a seditious uprising. My brothers and sisters didn't believe me. I was betrayed by a trusted friend who handed me over to corrupt leaders for a handful of coins. I was abandoned by the rest of my friends. One of my closest friends denied that he ever even knew me so that he could save his own skin or any risk to himself. I was labelled and treated a criminal. I was mobbed by a fickle crowd who one day were shouting Hosanna towards me and the next day were, were shouting that, I'd be killed. I was denied justice and I faced false witnesses in a prejudiced court set up to condemn me. Nobody stood up for me. I was sentenced to death. I was handed over to professional soldiers to make sport with me. I was punched, beaten with sticks, flogged with a cat of nine tails that pulled chunks of flesh off my back and my sides. After all of that, my, my face was beyond recognition. I was forced to carry my own cross until I collapsed. At the top of the hill, I was nailed naked to a cross. It was designed to make me suffer for as long as possible before I could die. Hanging down in agony from my nailed hands, I had to push up against the nail that was through my feet in order to get lung, air into my lungs to breathe. And then came a violent nightmare of nightmares. I had never done anything wrong. But the full weight of all self-centered, proud human sin, of every sickness there ever was and every hopeless misery ever caused by man or woman was placed on my shoulders. From all history to the end of time, every senseless abuse of others, every cruel and spiteful act, 
every greedy theft and evil lie, every lazy, uncaring thought, every hungry lust, every murderous killing and death of innocent people, every hidden crime and arrogant, uncaring attack on others came burning into my heart to haunt me as if it had all been done by me. Every broken promise, all bitterness and hatred against other people and against God was poured into me and I started to fall spiritually. Every wound, pain and sickness became mine to bear. Every cancer and virus that stole life away. Every headache, stomach ache, allergy. Insert whatever you're going through yourself right now in there. Afflicted me. Every broken and deformed body. Every injury and suffering. Every mental problem that ever damaged what God had made very good was ascribed to me. And I felt its unforgiving weight. Every fear, every trauma, every lost hope and broken dream, every loss and tragic injustice became mine, solely mine. I became filthy, unclean and pathetic. And as I took the full weight of all these terrors, I became separated further and further from my Father in heaven. Slowly at first and then faster and faster, I fell from his grace. The Father and I had been one since the beginning of time and space and there had never been a moment when I had not felt his loving presence in all existence. But now he turned his back on me. His perfect holiness pushed me away from his presence and I fell infinitely down, down, down out of all the dimensions of space and time and love and light that I had ever known. Away from all the dreams of eternity together through layers of deeper and deeper spiritual darkness and loneliness. My spirit was dragged down to oblivion, where only dark emptiness remained. I no longer had any sight or sound or love or hope. There was no longer any meaning, only desolation and despair. With one last effort, I called out to my Father, take my spirit, and immediately I felt my connection with life disappear completely, and I died. I, who had created life, lost all life. My body was killed at age 33 and placed in a borrowed tomb. I had no possessions, but far worse, my spirit was eternally torn away from the source of all beauty and life. I could not see him or hear him or feel his love anywhere, though I tried to search for him in every direction. I was lost and alone. I had done everything my father had asked me to do, and he had sent me to hell. But this is what we had planned all along. This is what I had wanted to do. I chose this path for you. I wanted you to know how much we love you. We wanted to show you how much we care about you. So we ask, what's ever God ever done for us? How does he explain all my suffering? What right does he have to judge? But as we meet here today, we're breathing the air that he gave us. We're using the mind that he gave us to make decisions. We're living the life that he gave us. We owe him all that we know. And Jesus went to a place where he knew nothing. 
for us. If we think we're going to have no pain or suffering, then we don't know God. We don't know what life is all about. Jesus died physically, but far worse, he died spiritually. On our behalf, he suffered for us. He took our punishment. Bible scholar John Piper says this, The ultimate reason that suffering exists in the universe is so that Christ might display the greatness of the glory of the grace of God by suffering in himself in order to overcome our suffering. The suffering of the utterly innocent and infinitely holy Son of God in the place of utterly undeserving sinners to bring us to everlasting joy is the greatest display of God's grace there ever was. There could be no greater display. The cross was the pivot moment that all God's plans had been pointing towards and from our perspective, pointing back to The cross was the only doorway, the perfect doorway to all the triumph and glory that is to come. And he invites us to go with him to it. There could be no greater display of the grace of God than what happened at the cross. Everything leading to it it, and from it is explained by it, including your suffering and mine. You know, Jesus was not killed at the whim of a man. He was killed because... People decided he should be killed because he was someone with power. He had control over demons. He could raise people from the dead. He could tell the storm to be quiet. He could walk on water. He could change water into wine. He could make people who'd been born blind see. He put new eyes in. If he wanted to, he could have stopped the cross. He said to Peter, when Peter tried to stop him being arrested... He turned to Peter and said, and this is Matthew 26, 53, don't you realise that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us right now? And he would send them instantly. But, I did, but if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? It wasn't King Herod or Pontius Pilate or the Jewish leaders or the, even the soldiers who put Jesus on the cross. It was Jesus who put Jesus on the cross. He wanted to do it. He chose to be killed. He turned and faced the cross as his purpose and his destiny. He didn't try and avoid it. He walked toward it. He knew it was the plan. Revelations 13.8 is a verse about the end times, but it refers to the very beginning of time. And it says this. All the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. So from the foundation of the world, God had already decided to slaughter Jesus. From the very start of things was the plan. I'm going to give these people free will. They are going to mess it up. I have to put into place a plan before I get anything else happening. Amazing. It was God's plan before the creation of the world. He looked into the future and he saw the need. He he realized, if I don't do anything, these beautiful humans that I make 
will never be able to come into my presence. They will never be able to have a close relationship with their Creator because the holiness of God would throw them away into eternity of darkness. So, Jesus was born with that purpose. We're always happy at Christmas because a baby's born. Everyone loves a baby. Oh, baby. Beautiful baby. But the Christmas child is particularly special because he was born with the purpose of dying. One of the gifts given to him, the myrrh, was a perfume that you put on a, a body after it had died in those days. There's a prophecy. Welcome, child, to your destiny. God wanted to show the angels, the spiritual forces and powers, and all of us, how much he loved us by sending Jesus as the answer, the grand plan, as the rescue mission commenced. That's why we celebrate Christmas. And by Jesus' resurrection... He showed that he conquered all suffering, all injustice, all sin, everything, including death itself. Jesus triumphed over that. And that's why we celebrate Jesus at Christmas. He took our sins and conquered everything else. Look into heaven right now. Because John, the apostle, did that. And he saw the hosts of heaven. Revelation 5. This is what he saw. And the heavenly beings sang a new song. These were the words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered. Your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, people and nation. Even Australia. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels round the throne and of living beings and elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus that we will join in with one day. Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth in, and in the sea. And they sang, Blessing and honour and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Jesus. We're talking in a series about Jesus. Jesus was and is the Lamb. Precious Lamb. Took the punishment for us all, but it's up to us to choose what we want to do with that. He offers it to us as a gift. But the gift is not, it, it's free, doesn't cost money. Money can't buy it, but it's not free. It costs you simply everything you are and everything you have to make Him the Lord of your life. Do you accept His offer? Do you accept what He has done on your behalf? You may have suffering in your life. You may have friends, family who are suffering. God is with you in your suffering. God is with them in their suffering. 
He's shown how much He loves us. What is our response? Will we trust Him? Will we bring our suffering and pain to Him and let Him be with us in it and let Him take that for us? Let's pray. If you're here today and you haven't given your life to the Lord and you're holding on to your suffering, going through whatever pain you are all by yourself, you might be someone who's prayed a prayer like we're going to pray and yet you're still holding on to things that God wants you to let go and trust Him with. Well, now's a fresh opportunity to do that. So I invite you, whatever your situation, to pray this prayer with me as we pray it all together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for creating us. Thank you for making Jesus. From the foundation of the world to be all that we need for all eternity. Sorry for my selfishness. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask you to put all my sin and bring on Jesus. And I accept his forgiveness. I accept Jesus into my life as my Lord forever. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.